Hey everybody, this is Steve Thomas. Have you ever noticed that some people are just good and they're good workers, they're good people, and they just hang out in that good space for a long, long time? Some of you are probably even thinking, I don't see anything wrong with that. Why wouldn't I want somebody that's good? And you know what? That's hard to argue with. That's why sometimes good is a lie because there's so much more than just good available to us. Hope you enjoy. I have felt for a long time that, and I've talked about this a lot over the last good grief, probably 20 years, that we have this strong tendency to settle for good because it's good. Um, and if, you, if, if you're writing any of this down, you're taking notes, whether you're watching or whether you're listening, if you would draw out four uh, horizontal lines, and if you picture uh, a 12-inch ruler, the first line would be at the top of the ruler, the second line would be at two inches, the third line would be at 10 inches, and then the fourth line would be at 12 inches. So if, if, you're, if, you, if you can visualize that, you would see that there's a small space at the top, small space at the bottom, and there's this wide space in the middle. And so if you're writing this down, in the small space at the, at the bottom, write the word bad, and then the big space in the middle, write the word good, and then the small space at the top, write the word great slash best. So now you've got this visual of bad, good, and great, or best in some cases. 80% of what we do in life is good. It's good. It's all good. And we have been led to believe that the direct opposite of good is bad and that the direct opposite of bad is good. And rightfully so, because it makes logical sense. And it truly is an opposite. However, it plays out a little bit different in, in your life and your leadership as you start leading teams, you start leading people, and you start creating organizations, and, and you want to take teams and organizations to another level. So this started when you were really young, and it started probably uh, when you were a, a kid and you'd go to the store with mom and dad, and they would say, listen, we get in the store you better be good because um, if you're not good then and you're bad, then you know something is going to happen that you're not going to like. And so you better be good. And then they incentivized you to be good and, and, and whatever the motivational tactic was for that particular age status or that, that day or whatever, candy or, or whatever it was. But if you're bad, here are the consequences. And so you learn right off, man, I'm going to do everything I can to be good so I can get what's coming my way and not be bad so I don't have to suffer the consequences, right? Now, if you're like me, you didn't even try to be good. You just tried to be not bad. And we believe that if I'm not bad, then that means that I'm good. Then you go to school and the same thing happens to school. And the teacher says, listen, in this classroom, you better be good. You can't be bad because if you're good, you're going to get, you know, this, that, and the other. And if you're bad, you're going to go to the principal's office or, you know, whatever it is. And so again, it's this whole it's this whole contrast of don't be bad, be good, and be good, don't be bad. And so we grew up believing that the direct opposite 
of bad is good and the direct opposite of good is bad. And as long as I'm not good, then that means I'm bad. And if I'm not bad, then it must be good. All right, you get all that lingo? So just give me a thumbs up or not or something. Okay, there's a lot there, right? And so, so uh, we use the word good so much that it just becomes part of our normal way of thinking. So when you see somebody in the morning, first thing you say is, good morning. Then we got good afternoon. And then you, you know, you lay at bed at night, you put the kids to bed and you say, you know, good night. Somebody says, how you doing today? You go, I'm good. Somebody says, you want more coffee? You go, no, 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 I'm, I'm good. You see, <laughs> you see how this goes? And it's just this never ending good thing we got going on. There's even a t-shirt company that says life is good. Now there's a, there's a company that you can give to. So they bless other people called goodwill and it's all good. You see it? And then we, and then we use good sometimes even as, um, in, in, in not so good ways, like, oh, good grief. This is a Charlie Brown thing. Oh, good grief. Good grief is there's, I don't know there's such thing as good grief. It's never made sense to me, but anyway, so good grief, but there's that good again. So even if it's grief, it's good, but it's still grief. And I don't know now even what I'm talking about. And then there's a TV show for years called Good Times. And we use that term a lot. You say, well, those are some good times, weren't they? You remember when I was there? That was some good times, right? Remember when we went this and that and the other? That was good times, right? Beach Boys sing about good vibrations. It's all good. Good vibrations. Then there's the good life and there's the good old days and it just goes on and on and on and all this good, good, good stuff. And what I've noticed over the years that even in that 80% that good that we're talking about, now there are different levels of good. And this gets confusing to me a little bit too because you know you start first of all like with not bad. Okay, not bad doesn't really mean good. It just means not bad. But then when you see somebody, you know, in the morning, like this happens to me all the time. I go to Starbucks and, you know, I'll say to the barista, hey, how's it going? Not bad. And I actually said this a few times. So do you mean like it's good or that it just isn't bad? Like where is that? Like you hanging out just in this somewhere in space that there's just, it's not quite good, but it's not bad. I don't even know what that's called. I, I was with a group one time and offered money for anybody to come up with a word that describes what that space is between good and bad when it's not bad. Not bad doesn't mean good. It just means that it's not bad, but we say not bad. And then from not bad, we go to adequate. So how is that? It's adequate. From adequate, we go to fairly good. And then from fairly good, we go to sort of good, and then we go to pretty good. And that's where a lot of us kind of hang out in that pretty good, you know. Hey, how was the food? It's pretty good. Okay, I'm not so sure you're convincing me to go there. So how was the food? It, it, was, it was not bad. Okay, not bad. I was in California one time, and, and uh, if you've been in California, man, there's a lot of really good Mexican food in California. And so I was with a friend of mine, and he says, where do you want to go eat? And I said, man... Let's go get Mexican because I'm in California. I want Mexican. And he said, let me think. And so then he told me this place and I said, is it, is it, is it good? And he goes, it's not bad. Now, dude, listen to me. I am in California. I don't want not bad Mexican food. I want great Mexican food. You see what I'm saying? So we went and turns out he was right. 
it wasn't bad. I don't know that I'd go to great, but it certainly wasn't bad. And so, so then we go to pretty good. So pretty good is kind of, then here comes the phrase we use often. And if you do, I'm going to challenge you to strike it from your vocabulary. Good enough. That's that middle ground between not bad and ultimately where we're going here. You see, it's good enough. And what I have learned is that good enough is really never good enough. But we'll talk later about why we get there. Then after good enough, we go to mostly good, then we go very good, then we go real good, then we go really good, and then we go darn good or whatever adjective you know you want to slide in there in your world. And I don't even know again what that means, but that's about the highest peak of good that I know about is just, it was darn good. Now, we hang out in that 80% a lot, a whole lot. And what I want to challenge you to do today is to think about the good lie. Because I personally believe that bad is not the only opposite or the biggest enemy of good. How often do we push for or hang out in that top space, that top two inches there, if you drew that, if you drew that out, you know, kind of the way I showed you, how often do we hang out in that great or best space? Because what I have learned is the biggest enemy of good is not bad, but the biggest enemy of good is what's best or what's great. And I've learned that the hard way. Um, because there are a lot of times that I would settle for good or the good lie, you see, that as long as you're good, you know, you've got it made. And you know what? There's so much truth to that. That's why it's hard to argue with because it is true. It's a good place to be, but do we just simply want what's good? And let's further this question. Do your clients, do your, do your team members, do they just want what's good or do we want what's great? Because there's not many places in your life you go in which good is good enough. But people want what's great. Now, um, you know, we got men and women on this call. But men, I'm going to talk to you for just a minute. Women, you sit tight. If you go to buy your lady, your fiance, an engagement ring, does she want a good engagement ring or does she want a great engagement ring? Don't even unmute yourself and talk about that because we all know the answer. And if you give her a ring and she looks at it and doesn't seem excited about it, and then you say, what? I mean, it's good enough, right? I'm guessing that the next answer to the next question you're going to ask is probably going to be, not yet. Not going to happen. We don't want just what's good. We want what's great. My question is, do we push for great? Do we push for best? Or do we find ourselves sometimes settling for what's good? And that's what I want to chat about today. Things that I have learned that separate the good from the great. 
We talked about this a little bit last month. Uh, I used a little bit of the same phraseology that I'm going to use today, but I want to expand on it in a little bit different way. Do we have a tendency? Do we have the habit even of settling for just what's good and not continually pushing for what is great? So here are just a few things that I have learned that separates good from great or from best. Number one, the great choose to do what the good choose not to do. The great choose to do what the good choose not to do. We talked about that last month a little bit. We're talking about top performers. The great choose to do what the good choose not to do. When you strive for great, you have a different mindset. You have a different agenda. The, 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 the quote-unquote great leaders or the great athletes or the great companies, um, they have a different way of seeing things than those who hang out in the good. They have a different way of thinking about things than those who hang out in the good. Here's one thing I think that great leaders, great companies, great organizations, great athletes do, is they have a very strong, healthy imagination. <laughs> they have a really strong match and they can imagine themselves as something much more than what they are right now. And they can see what they can be, not just what they are right now. And there's something in that imagination then that then pushes them to the next level, that pushes them on this whole journey to, to, to great. Um, the decisions that the great make are different than the decisions that the good make. Because the decisions that the great makes has to do with getting somewhere they've not been before. And the decisions that the good makes has to do with just maintaining the status quo. And I'm going to keep saying this through this thing. There's nothing wrong with good. There's nothing wrong with it. But my fear is that we settle for good so long that then we lie to ourselves and we trick ourselves into believing that's all we ever need or it's all everybody even ever wants. And it just simply is not true. So the great make different decisions than the good makes. And, the, and, and so their imagination is different and their decision-making process is different. Uh, and and they, they, they move to a different level. The great choose to do what the good choose not to do. You've all heard stories of some of the great athletes that we would put in that great category, like Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and, uh, uh, you know, LeBron James. And um, I just went all basketball. Peyton Manning, uh, you know, these Tom Brady, these guys are say great. These guys make decisions that good athletes don't make. They make the decision to get there first and to stay last, stay extra. They make the decision to take their off-season and practice a little more or work out a little more. They make the decision to be things and do things that the good just makes a decision not to say, not to do, and not to be. And they just have a different mindset. Their imaginations are different. You know, these guys can see themselves winning championships. They believe that they can win championships and they will imagine that and then they'll turn that into action and turn that into reality. So the great choose to do what the good chooses not to do. <clears throat> and I've been there. And uh, I, I, I came 
this this happened probably when I was right around 30, when I realized what I'm doing now, I don't want to just settle for what's good, but I want something much more than this. And the world I was in at the time, I wasn't satisfied. And I, I knew there had to be something more than just this. What can we do to move this whole thing to another level? And so that's when I begin to explore this whole, okay, what is so-and-so doing? Or what are they doing? Or what is he doing? What is she doing? What are they doing that I'm not doing? And that's when I realized that the great choose to do what the good choose not to do. You see, another thing I've learned, second thing I've learned is this. The, and I said this earlier, I'm going to kind of expand on this a little bit. The biggest enemy of good is not bad. The biggest enemy of good is what's best. We will settle for good and rob ourselves of what's great or what's best. And we do that for a variety of reasons. We do it because uh, good is very, very comfortable. Very comfortable. It feels good in good. Um, good is safe. And if I'm not pushing for more, I'm safe right here. I don't have to risk. I'm safe. It's another thing great people do, great organizations. They're comfortable with risk. They will engage in risk. They will embrace risk. And But when you're striving for good and good, you're satisfied for good, there's no reason to risk anymore because we're good where we're at. And truth is, again, you're right, you are. But do you want that or do you want more than that? And what do people need from us? And what do clients need from us? And, and, and what does our team ultimately need from us? We oftentimes will settle for good and rob ourselves of what's best. Now, earlier on, I was talking about the different levels of, of good. You know, we start with not bad. Do you know not bad is really hard to argue with sometimes? It is really hard. Because when you hear that, your only answer could possibly be, yeah, you know what? You're right. That's not bad. So my son, Jordan, he was in junior high. When he was in junior high, he uh, came home one day and he had a detention. Now, that, this is not an uncommon thing for him to get a detention. Just, you know, just so you know. But this particular day, he had a detention. I said, what did you do to get a detention? He said, I rode my saxophone case down the stairs. And the first thing I thought, I got to be honest with you, the first thing I thought was, all right, that's actually pretty cool. So I don't really know how you did that. Thank God you didn't tear the saxophone up. But um, like if I was able to do that, I probably would do that. And so I'm thinking that might be extra credit for creativity. But no, winds up he gets a detention for it. And so in the course of conversation as we're kind of walking through okay, what are you thinking? And why did that sound like a good idea? And, you know, these kinds of things. He says, well, dad, that's not bad. And I couldn't argue with that. I don't know that I'd take riding a saxophone case down the stairs. I don't think I'd put that in the bad category, right? So he's not like, he's not out smoking and drinking and getting in fights. And, you know, he's not doing, he's not stealing things. He's not, you know, doing these things that we normally would put in the quote unquote bad category. So I couldn't argue. I said, no, you're, you're absolutely right, son. That's not bad. But here's my question. Do you want what's not bad or do you want what's best? And oftentimes we'll settle for what's not bad and rob ourselves of what is best. The biggest enemy of good is not bad. The biggest enemy, especially when you're an adult, the biggest enemy of good 
is what's best or what's great. And I have learned that again the hard way. The third thing I've learned what separates good from great is good is way, way, way more common than great. Way more common than great. Now, I want to say this. I, I have read Good to Great, Jim Collins' book, Good to Great. It's fantastic. Uh, I've heard Jim Collins speak several times, and I love his research. I love his, I, I love what he has to say. Uh, I love listening to him. This thought process I'm on is not an extension of Good to Great. This thought process started for me pre-Good to Great publication. Uh, but when he wrote that book and I read it, it validated everything that I was thinking and everything that I was feeling about this whole separation of good and great. And what I have learned, and I think something that book validates, is that good is very, very common. Great is not as common. Here's one reason I say that. In your town where you live, in your city where you live, there are, depending on how big your city is, there are dozens of people around that do exactly what you do. There are dozens of organizations that do what you do uh, in some shape, form, or fashion. You see, in other words, there's all kinds of quote-unquote competition out there of other people that can get other people's attention than you. My question is, why would they pick you over them? Why would they pick your organization over them? They're all good because if they were bad, they'd go out of business. In your city where you live, there are a lot, a lot, a lot of restaurants. And they're all good restaurants because if they were bad, they'd go out of business. Good is very, very common. And out of all the ones that are good, there are a great majority of them that has settled for good. And over a period of time, they become comfortable with good. And what happens is that suddenly they're not good anymore. And somebody goes, they haven't done anything new in years. They've not changed anything they've done. They've not changed anything they've offered in years and years and years. We get comfortable with that. We, get, we settle for that. And we don't notice that. But what I've noticed is that good is very, very common Great is not as common as good. There are a lot of reasons for that. One, one reason for that is that, and I said it before, good is challenging, great, I'm sorry, good is comfortable, great is challenging. It's challenging to push for great. And, and you're gonna get tired pushing for great. And, and you might even get made fun of pushing for great. And you're gonna have to risk pushing for great or pushing for what's best. But good is comfortable, great is challenging. Good is a destination. Like when you arrive at good, you're good. There's no reason for you to go any further than this. We're just good. We are, we've hit it. We're there. It's a destination. Great is a journey. Like you never hit a point of great when you go, I've arrived. We don't even know what that means. You can't even define arriving at great. We could probably have a conversation and define what it means to arrive at good. I don't know that we could have a conversation and really determine what it is to arrive at great. So good is a destination, great is a journey. Sometimes we are good just by default. Sometimes we're good because we may be the only ones around that do what we do. 
in a particular uh, in a particular industry or a particular niche that you may have. And sometimes we're just good by default. Sometimes we're just good because we were the first ones and we started it and everybody looks to us and we're just good by default. But great takes effort. Like, I don't know that there are, if, if, and if there are, there certainly aren't many organizations or leaders that are great just by default, but they've made an intentional effort to get there. I, I have, you know, I, I, I have learned that, and, and I've, I've actually, you know, athletes and sports teams and work teams, and I've really challenged them with this. I don't know that I need to be or want to be the best around. I don't think that's my drive. My drive is not to be the best around. I just want to be the best that I can be. And when we try to be the best around, sometimes we create this unhealthy competition. I just want to be the best that I can be. I can control that. I can't control being the best around. I can only control being the best that I can be. And that's all I can ask of people when I'm leading people. I'm not asking to be the best that ever lived or to be the best that there is. I'm asking you to be the best that you can be. And what I notice in good, sometimes we settle and we don't push for be even being the best that we, that, we, that we can be. So good can be very, very closed-minded. And to me, this is one of the scariest ones. Good can be very, very closed-minded. We're good. Why in the world do we need to push for anything more? We're good. And we can close ourselves off from looking any further, seeing anything differently, seeing anything broader, and we can just kind of shut down. But great, they practice curiosity. They are always looking for what else can we do? What else can we do? So good is more common. You can settle. You don't stick out. Um, and when you go for great, you may look, you may look silly at times. Uh, the famous philosopher Epictetus said this years ago, and I love this quote. He said, if you want to improve, be content to be thought foolish and stupid. If you want to improve, be content to be thought foolish and stupid. This is the difference between what's good and how we push for what's best or, or what's, what's great. So what can you do with all of this? I'm gonna give you some challenges here. What can you do with all of this? Like what can you do on your teams and what can you do in your leadership? to start creating these kinds of conversations. I think one of the things you can do is you can begin to identify organizations, whether they're in your industry or not, begin to identify organizations that you would deem as great, and then do a quick personal study of what it is that you believe makes them great. What are they doing differently than other people in the organizations? and literally make a physical list of what they do that's different. What they do that sets them apart. What they do that takes them you know, to a, a whole nother level. Then the second thing you can do is have that conversation with your team. Have this good, great conversation with your team. Do we have a tendency? Do we have a tendency to settle for good? Like, are we settling? Are we comfortable right now? And we're not pushing? And what can we do to continue to push for great or continue to push for best um, and, and have that conversation with your team, identifying these other organizations, identifying these other companies and bringing into what they're doing. Say, now, how can we learn from them and how can we do that? You start having conversations like that, then people start thinking in that realm. I say this a lot. What you want, talk about. So if you want great, then talk about great things. You see, don't, 
Don't demand great because you can't demand it and get it. Don't command it. You can't command it and get it. You can't fix your way there. You just got to start talking about great and you got to start putting it in front of people. So having those conversations with your team and 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 getting some direct questions and and if if you know if you want to personalize that a little bit, feel free to call and I can chat uh, through this with you and, and even give you some personal questions maybe to begin to ask your teams to kind of gear them to thinking more towards what can we do to move us to the next level. Um, have this conversation with your team. Maybe sit down and ask this question: What are we doing? right now to create great. What are we doing to create great? Like intentionally, what are we doing to create great? And it's gotta be something, the answer to that that question has to be something different than everybody else is doing. And I think in doing that, maybe people come to realization, you know what? Maybe we should intentionalize our efforts a little bit more to push push for what's great. Um, What are we doing right now to create great? And then the other question that couples that is, what can we do to create great? Like, what ideas do you have that would take us to the next level? Start measuring projects, start measuring work, start measuring whatever it is that you do on the scale of bad, good, and best. And I'm actually going to post, when this this podcast drops, I'm actually going to post with it on the website, the sheet that I just read to you on the 10 different levels of good. So you can you can print that off and you can use that. Okay, where this project we just did, where does it fall in this and why? And start having that conversation, you see. And then what can we do to really push for what's great or for what's best? But have that conversation, start scaling things. Like where do you think this fell? On a scale of one to 10 on our good scale, where do you think that fell? And then what can we do to push that? So after every... After every uh, project you do, there should be a debrief session. This is what, this is what effective, well, not even effective. This is what every sports team does: is they watch film and they start evaluating. They start figuring out what they could do better, what they need to do better next time, and then they start practicing to put that into place. So debrief often. How did it go? What can we add? And use those kinds of questions to move everybody to a next level. And here's one more thing you can do. This this is this this might um, this this will cost you probably a little more time and possibly a little more money. Get outside eyes to come in and see what is going on in your organization. Get outside eyes to come in and do interviews with staff, do interviews with leaders, um, maybe to walk through your facility. And just kind of identifying those things that may look old or outdated or frumpy or whatever it is. Get outside eyes. Here's why. Because you see it every day. You live it every day. You lead it every day. For you, it's just the way it is. You don't notice. You see, outside eyes are going to notice. So find somebody that you can get, maybe in your industry, a friend that you would have and say, listen, be very, very honest and come in and just give me feedback on what it looks like around here that we could do better. So remember, settling for good, believing that we're good and good enough can sometimes be a lie. And that's what I call the good lie. The biggest enemy of good is not necessarily bad. The biggest enemy of good is what's best or what's great. So what can we do to continue to push for best or continue to push for great.